0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations That Heal. I'm your host, Susan Jacoby. I want to have a conversation with you about speaking your truth and telling your story. Give yourself permission to hold the space to experience compassion and grace. By doing so, you're freeing yourself from the shame that is holding you hostage. To introduce myself to those who are not familiar with me, I am an international spokesperson shifting the global consciousness around childhood trauma. I am the author of the book, How to Love Yourself, The Hope After Child Abuse, which is available on Amazon. I am a speaker and I am dedicated to sharing the possibilities that await each one of us. After healing from 18 years of physical, sexual, and psychological abuse, at the hands of family members, it is my hope that by sharing my struggles and victories, I will inspire more survivors to do the same. To learn more about me, you can visit my website, SusanJacoby.com. J A C O B I. I want to revisit our last show with my colleague, Beth Davis. She shared her new program, which she has titled the biology of business. She created an ebook, which she named the top three reasons intuitive women struggle to get paid for their spiritual gifts and what to do about it. It is a brilliant ebook and I want to read a little from it. Listen and ask yourself if you can pull some healing words and actions from it. Now, I also want to say that while I know This book is directed towards women who have businesses. However, you can take all the information and apply it directly into your personal life. So I invite you to join me on this experience and see how it can enrich your life. So Beth writes, perhaps you have the fear of being pursued from speaking your truth. This can cause you to feel unsafe in your body and on the planet you might experience panic and anxiety at the thought of being paid for your spiritual gifts. Symptoms of this fear can show up if you are working in a career that is a total mismatch to your talents and desires. You might not even know what you want because it is too risky to know what you want. Talk about difficulty getting paid for your spiritual gifts. Let's face it. It's scary to speak your truth, yet the truth sets people free. Most importantly, you. Beth continues by writing, Many global systems, economic, social, technology, aren't designed to grant people personal, emotional, physical, and creative freedom. These dysfunctional systems value the few at the expense of many for millions upon millions of men and women to claim their intuitive wisdom and speak it and share it and teach it so others can step forward into their own gift. This is the greatest gift of overcoming our fear and getting paid for our spiritual gifts. You can find the entire ebook at susanjacoby.com/biology. So I want to ask you what did you learn about yourself in these four paragraphs did you see anything of yourself that you can apply to your current life the thing is is that freedom and speaking your truth is so important to living the life that you long for or the life that you were destined to live and for some of you who know the reason why you were put on this planet. It is what is holding you back from sharing your purpose and your gift. Speaking your truth in any situation can be daunting. And we all think of fear when it comes to public speaking, for example. They've done studies and people think that public speaking is almost as fearful as the fear of dying which is pretty high. But for the adult who is living in a life carried over from a childhood of surviving, speaking your truth can be overwhelming. I want to focus on this because speaking your truth is exactly where the healing begins. And more importantly, the compassion for yourself. You might be familiar with the phrase, you cannot love others without loving yourself first. The same applies to compassion. You cannot be compassionate to others until you show yourself compassion first. Many people speak on this connection between speaking our truth, and I'm going to interject shame, and compassion. For instance, Brene Brown explains the combination very gracefully. One of her many quotes says, owning our stories and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we will ever do, unquote. It takes courage to speak up and tell your story. And through that courage, it takes compassion. There is no time limit to when you are ready to share your story. I have spent decades unveiling my story to myself first, to my therapist, to trusted friends, and then eventually through my book, How to Love Yourself, The Hope After Child Abuse, and now this show. It is a process where only you can set the pace. You can't look for someone to answer that question for you, when are you ready, or you can't push yourself into sharing your story if you're not ready. When you're ready, you will find that it comes very natural, comes from your heart. And once you get over sharing it, you will see a piece and gifts that are waiting for you. I will share that writing or journaling, which I am a very big fan of, it has been a big contributor To helping me sort out my feelings. It allows me to see my truth and my story. It also allows me to hold compassion and understanding to the choices that I make as an adult. Knowing that about me allows me to make confident choices if and when I want to make different choices, which are often healthier choices. Discovery is about showing yourself compassion. A good sign to myself that I have released the feelings that are tied to my story and that I am free from its pain that it has left on my soul is when I can share the story without the emotion that silenced it for so many years. A big hurdle to move through was releasing the idea that the trauma was my fault. Another way that I know if I can share my story without the emotions attached, is if I can tell my story with empathy, knowing how it will most likely impact one or more of the listeners, and also that I can tell my story and hold my feelings without breaking down into tears or getting triggered and becoming more emotional. I'm going to tell you a story about one of my experiences, We all have times in our adult life when things don't always go as planned, which for me, and I'm pretty sure for many of my listeners, is an understatement. One of those times in my life was a few years ago. It was filled with a lot of shame to admit this, but now I can tell you without the shame that I was losing my home, I actually lost my home. And as the process was moving closer to when I knew I had to leave, there was a part of me that fantasized about living on the street. I had convinced myself that I could live on the street and it wouldn't be so bad. Now, as I am sharing my story with you, keep in mind that I know from my healthy adult mindset that my plan was not realistic and that the fantasy was only playing out moment to moment. It was not including where would I sleep? Where would I brush my teeth? How would I keep myself safe? How would I even get to a place where I could buy gas or park my car? How would I even take care of my car? How would I live out of my car? If that were even an option, I hadn't, Fully process the meaning of living on the streets. I want to share this story with you because it allows me and it will also hopefully allow you to see where this mindset was not coming from a rational adult place. As a child, I spent a lot of time at my paternal grandmother's house. That would be my father's mother. I always have called her, referenced her as the quote-unquote mean grandmother. She was one of my abusers. One day, I was triggered into a memory, and the memory was me as a nine-year-old, and it was in the late fall, it was getting colder, and the days were getting shorter. I was at her house, along with my older brother, who, from my perspective, was the golden child who could do no wrong and was always showered with gifts, mostly in the form of food. Now, I know as an adult now, he most likely wasn't living the life of a golden child. But from my perspective, that's what it looked like. And I wonder how many of you can relate to that through the eyes of an experience with a sibling, a friend, a cousin, someone in your life who was around the same age. Just because that was my perspective of my brother does not mean that that was either his reality or the reality of the experience for the family as a unit. For some reason, the exact facts are unclear of this whole memory. And truthfully, that doesn't really make a difference in my experience. My experience was that I was banished from the warm and quote-unquote safe house. My paternal grandmother put me outside with my shoes and coat. I remember the sky becoming darker and the sun completing its setting. The sky was gray and blue and had some clouds in it. If I could paint a picture for you, that's how I would do it. I remember as she shut the door and I was left outside that I immediately thought that I needed to create a plan to take care of myself. But pounding on the door, going back into the house wasn't an option. My quote-unquote mean Grandmother had this garden. It was a big garden, and she lived in the city, so she had a pretty good sized backyard for a a house that was in the city. Behind the one car garage, which sat by itself from a good distance from the back porch, was this garden of lilies, a very old garden, which means that the lilies were, uh, it took a lot of space in the Area behind the garage, it, it created like a canopy over the earth that the that the lilies, the bulbs of the lilies were planted in, and it became a perfect place for me to set up my outdoor fort. I remember using the dead leaves and the dirt as the blanket, and in my child mind, I had convinced myself that I was in a safe place and that I could take care of myself. I remember settling into this outdoor room, not knowing how long I would be out there, and I called it my home. It was my home for the time. I remember the only thing that scared me to death, actually, was seeing these eyes staring at me, even thinking about it now scares me, because there were animals, rodents, that, that also called this space their home. Now, yes, there's a lot more to this story. The idea that I want to present to you is how you can bring compassion into your childhood memories and your adult life. Now, looking at this story as the adult, I can look at the nine-year-old with incredible courage I think about her plan to take care of herself, how creative she was to find a place in the garden to set up as her shelter. I look at her with deep compassion and empathy, and I bring compassion to my adult self because I can see where the idea came from that living on the streets was not impossible. I wonder if you can see the progression the how the mindset of the child flows into the mindset of the adult making the connection releases the shame of believing that i could live on the streets of course i could see where the idea came from it was an illogical idea and it was planted in my memory organically it made complete sense for the 9-year-old and the adult me who was drawing on my past experience. Think about how many times you use a experience from your past and how you bring it into your present world and make choices out of that past experience, not choices from your present world. There is no blaming or right or wrong in any of this. This is a very human experience, a very natural progression of our thoughts. And this is where awareness that I speak of so frequently comes into play. And being mindful, mindful that that was the experience of the nine-year-old and that the adult me was drawing on that experience that I could take care of my adult self because I took care of myself as a nine-year-old in a similar situation. But the truth is, is that it's not a realistic, healthy, to say the least, thought. It's an awareness which allows me the freedom to choose differently, which I did. And like I have said many other times, Having that, seeing that connection, knowing where that idea came from, takes away so much shame that I would have a memory that was so shameful that I would be treated by my paternal grandmother so badly. Of course, I would feel shameful by her actions. Of course, I would be sad, be terrorized, be traumatized, who wouldn't be? Being aware of that also brings me out of the role of the victim because I am setting a new direction for myself. I hope that you can understand and start to see how this all ties in to bringing compassion into myself for myself. And you are not excluded from this. this is, I'm just using me as an example, which is why I'm saying into myself. This is for all of you who can stop and for a moment and, and think about where did an idea come from that I do in my everyday life? Where did a, a thought pattern come from? See the impact that it has on your life. See how it allows your life to open up to this newfound freedom. Now, I want to share this compassion exercise with you. And, it, the, and the exercise is by a woman named Beverly Engel, E-N-G-E-L. She is a therapist and a contributor to the Psychology Today magazine. I think this exercise will be useful to you to help you get a taste of compassion. I want to set up some boundaries before we get into this exercise. As you explore it, remember that you you and you alone are responsible for setting your boundaries. If it proves to be too much for you, then stop. Don't do it. Or perhaps if you draw on a memory that you had that is too triggering, you have the power to stop that. You you may say, Well, it's taking me down the rabbit hole or it's too much for me. This is a perfect time for you to practice compassion for yourself and practice taking ownership of the direction that you're choosing to go with this memory. You have several options available to you. Like I said, you can stop it and not proceed with the exercise. You could choose another memory that's not as painful or you could just sit back, not choose a memory at all and listen to the exercise and just let it absorb into your being, into your soul. I know that whether we act on something or truly understand something, that there is a part of us that is listening and absorbing, what is being said. Another option for setting your boundaries is perhaps you're in therapy and you can share this exercise with your therapist. Perhaps you want to choose to do the exercise with him or her so that they can help you maintain your control over it. Remember, I will, and I want to repeat this, You are in control of your experience with this exercise. Now, I hope I didn't freak anyone out by the extent of this exercise. I just want to show you the power that you have in choosing what role you're going to play. Are you going to play the role of the victim and let it overpower you? Which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just an opportunity to bring awareness into the path that you're choosing or are you going to be are you going to take the role of realizing that this is triggering you and not do the exercise I'll leave that decision up to you so here we go with the exercise by Beverly think of a shaming experience from your childhood now think of what you wish someone had said to you right after that experience. What would have been the most helpful and healing for you to hear at that time? Now, this is all about bringing compassion to yourself and what you as the adult needs right now. You might want to take a moment and write the statement down on a piece of paper write down a brief word or two about the experience and give a little more time to your thought about what you wish someone had said to you after the experience or what would have been the most helpful and healing for you to hear at the time. Now, imagine that someone you care about very much, perhaps someone you admire, is saying those words that you wrote down. They're saying the words right to you. They're looking at you. And they're saying those w- words to you from their heart. Hear those words in your ear. Pause. Pausing plays such a big role in our healing and in all of our lives take take the words that are being spoken to you the words that you wish someone had said to you into your heart and notice how those words make you feel now say those words out loud to yourself take a deep breath and really take in those words how does hearing yourself. Say those words out loud, make you feel. Do they make you feel relieved? Do they make you feel loved? Do they make you feel sad? Do they make you feel worthy? This is about you and how the words that you wish someone had said to you make you feel now. What role the words are playing in fulfilling the emptiness in your heart. I want to use the the story that I shared with you about my experience as a nine-year-old as an example with this exercise. First of all, naturally, I wish that my paternal grandmother, my dad's mom, wasn't so mean. And I wish that she hadn't thrown me outside But that's part of the story that I cannot and will not ever be able to change. Just like all of us have parts of our stories that we will never be able to change. But what we can change is how we relate to the experience. What I can change is how I relate to the experience of her throwing me out of the house. What you can change is how you relate to the experience of whatever your memory is. Again, this is an example of pulling yourself out of the role of the victim. This is an example of owning your power. It feels really good. It feels really good to say, I am owning my power. You did this to me but I am changing the reaction that I'm having to what you did. You are bringing compassion to yourself. This has absolutely nothing to do with the person, or in my case, my paternal grandmother. It has nothing to do with her. As far as the rest of the exercise, what do I wish someone had said to me? or done to me after that had happened. As an example, I wish someone had told me how she was the definition of evil, how no child deserves to be thrown out into the dark or the cold or out of the house for that matter. I wish someone would have told me how smart I was to create shelter for myself. The most healing or helpful statement that I can think of that would have helped me as a nine-year-old in that time was that it wasn't my fault that she chose. She chose to throw me out of the house. It was her house, but I was her granddaughter. As human beings, we all owe one another compassion towards each other. Please don't think that I'm saying, you know, if someone's in there in your house hurting you, robbing you, whatever. I am not saying, not to throw that person out of the house. And I hope that you can keep up with me here or or follow me along here. I just wish that she hadn't been so evil. And I also know that the most healing and helpful statement that someone could tell me that it wasn't my fault that she made the decision to throw me out of the house and that she was sheer evil to know, to have someone else say to me that she was sheer evil would confirm what I was already thinking, but was too young, too scared, too immature to connect all of that. Who do I imagine telling me what I longed to hear, my maternal grandmother, my mother's mom. I imagine her picking me up, holding me and telling me how much she loves me and how sick and evil the paternal grandmother was that nobody with any kind of heart would do that to a child. And how do her words make me feel? Loved, valued, worthy, loved unconditionally. And that, my listener friends, is how you bring compassion to yourself. Brings a sense of relief and like you're cutting the string shames from your heart. So I want to ask you, what did you notice when you did this exercise? Or maybe even you did a part of it. Absolutely, positively, any awareness that you were able to draw out of this exercise is a step to healing and experiencing self-compassion. I hope this show has brought some ideas on how you can bring compassion into your life. I know that there are a multitude of other ways that we can bring compassion into our life, as in self-care, which looks like eating right, getting enough sleep, moving your body, exercising, creating time for yourself, reading a book, listening to music all of these things are about self-care which bring in self-compassion it's saying that you are declaring i am worthy you can google way you know ways to bring in self-compassion but i chose not to bring in all of the different ways because i have found in my healing experience that I tend to get overwhelmed easily and I mean not as much now as I used to but along those lines I also set up my boundaries when it's too much for me when the words hit this imaginary wall I have in front of me and they just crumble into letters because I am I'm just I can't hear anymore too much for me to take in So that's why I'm I'm going to share with you what I shared with you today and not go further down different ways that you can bring self-compassion into your life. Like I said, feel free to Google it if you're curious about other ways. I know that I'll be doing more shows on self-compassion. We all learn at a different pace. Honor yourself for the pace that you learn at. Please remember that you are in control I want to remind you of something that I said at the top of the show. Remember that you are in control of what you share or what you don't share. This is about boundaries. Executing boundaries will also release you from the role of victim. It puts you in charge of how you choose to live your life. To take full benefit from my friend Beth Davis' ebook, you can go to susanjacoby.com/biology. I hope you allow yourself to receive the value that she offers in her ebook. Take what you can, what applies to you, and leave the rest. No one's judging you. No one's going to quiz you on it. Just enjoy it and see. If she can help you heal and find your way to your value and your passion. My free gift to you is my 11 Tools for Happiness. It is also available at SusanJacoby.com. And to remind everyone, the reason I did this book was because I know how easy it is to forget things that we can do to bring happiness into our life. We're making a choice to fly a kite. We're making a choice to cook our favorite meal. We're making a choice to pay our bills. Yes, that will bring you happiness. We're making a choice to go walk our dog, to go to dance. These are all ways to empower yourself and your life. Remember that Conversations That Heal is on iTunes. You're welcome to leave a comment. And you can follow us on Blog Talk Radio for up-to-date announcements. Above all, I know I've given you a lot of information here. You're going to remember and you're going to use what applies to you. That is all you need. You can always go back and listen to the show. But please don't be hard on yourself and think, oh, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. You're exactly where you're supposed to be and you're doing exactly what you need to be doing at any given time. So with that, I want to remind you that you are a lovable and capable human being. Thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal. And please take care of yourself and be kind to yourself.